Thank you so much, Mary and Lee, for your thoughts. And as you can now see this morning, we're kicking off our stewardship campaign for 2021. And over the next five weeks in worship, we will be hearing from uh, a number of members uh, about the reasons that they give to the ministries of this church. Our theme this year is Windows of Faith. And so uh, various participants will give you a window into their faith journey and how it has been deepened through the ministries of this church. And in the meantime, our sermons will probe various areas of stewardship that are crucial to the life of our church. Sometimes we associate stewardship only with financial generosity, and don't you worry, we will cover that subject in due time. But there are other considerations, too, uh, beneath the umbrella of stewardship that require uh, prayerful discernment. We must be good stewards of the place and time in which we live and discern together what it means that we are a congregation located in the Riverside neighborhood of Jacksonville in the USA in the year 2020. As such, the sermons to come will explore the the importance of making time in today's busy world to serve God and others. We'll consider the value of investing in the well-being of our community that surrounds us here in Riverside. We'll think deeply about financial generosity to the church in a world full of good causes. And finally, we will ponder the virtue of gratitude from which all good stewardship flows. But today we begin with what has become one of 2020's most important assets, and that is the use of technology in a world obsessed with electronics. The question of stewardship in today's world cannot avoid the issue of technology and its relationship to our ministries. So as we turn our attention now to God's word read and proclaimed, let us bow for a word of prayer. Spirit of the living God, flow through this place now, we pray. Open our hearts and our minds that we might hear your word for us today. And in our hearing, give us the courage to follow all these prayers we make in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament lesson is Psalm 24. I invite you now to listen for God's word to you. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and those who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas and established it on the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and pure hearts, who do not lift up their souls to what is false and do not swear deceitfully. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from the God of their salvation. Such is the company of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And the New Testament lesson is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. The Apostle Paul writes, For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a servant to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, 
though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What does the Bible say about my iPhone? I was asked once during a Q&A session. And it was a good question, because few things in our world today seem as far removed from the biblical world of sandals and parchment and sheep than the cell phones that have come to dominate our lives. Does the Bible have anything to say about iPhones, or for that matter, Brianna's Apple Watch and her iPad and all the other technologies that we engage every day? The answer, of course, is yes. The Bible does have something to say about iPhones. But it's true, of course, that the biblical writers didn't have a concept of an iPhone in their minds, or for that matter, a Doppler radar or a defibrillator. But the writers of Scripture did know that the world is always changing and that every generation faces new challenges, that new opportunities and threats are always emerging. The technological nature of our modern world is one such new and ever-changing thing. There are other things, of course, though, that don't seem to change much, especially things related to the natural world. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the psalmist exclaims, and our minds quickly go to things in nature, rocks and trees and skies and seas. When we think about creation, our minds tend to first go towards nature, sites in the natural world that don't change much at all. For instance, there is a great great basin bristlecone pine tree, that's a mouthful, a great basin bristlecone pine tree in California that is nearly 5,000 years old. It's amazing. Usually when we think about the task of stewardship, our minds go to the natural world too. We need to steward the world's resources, we think. And so we recognize the need to care for pine trees in California or the Amazon rainforest. And indeed, this is a crucial part of stewardship, not to be overlooked. As we have seen in Genesis, we must be stewards of all that God has created. But when we think about so-called man-made things, those inventions of human hands, that do not occur in nature without human influence, then we're less likely to think about God's creative power. To commune with the Creator, after all, people go to Yosemite National Park, not Silicon Valley, right? Technology centers are places of human innovation, not divine creativity, we may think, perhaps only intuitively. 
Of course, a little thinking on the subject reminds us that apart from God, we can do nothing, that all knowledge is God's knowledge, and so if it weren't for God's grace, our technological capacities would never have advanced as far as they have. Our scriptures understand the vast range of human potential. After all, the Bible wouldn't be so concerned with human ambition and pride if it weren't for the obvious fact that we humans can accomplish and create some pretty amazing things. Still, though, our hesitancy to associate technological advancement with God the Creator translates into the way we think about stewardship. We may not spend as much time thinking about what it means to be good stewards of technology because technology doesn't seem to belong to God, at least not as directly as oceans and trees do. Technology seems to belong to us because we often live under the illusion that we're responsible for having created it. And if not we ourselves, then those whose products we've purchased. But stewardship also includes the task of stewarding new innovations in an ever-changing world. Because after all, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything. We must steward not only our time, talents, and treasures, but also our place on the chronological history of the world and its unfolding. We are a 21st century church called to do ministry and bear witness to Christ in today's world, a world that is obsessed with technology. There has been, since the psalmist wrote, an explosion of human activity upon the earth, and now even within the earth and above the earth and beyond the earth. But our world is just as much the Lord's today as it was in the psalmist's day. In our New Testament passage this morning, the Apostle Paul describes the lengths he's willing to go in order to communicate the message of the gospel to others. To the Jews, he became like a Jew. To the Gentiles, like the Gentiles. To the weak, he became weak, all for the sake of the gospel. His principle is not that we should deceptively change who we are just to get people to pay attention. No, his principle is that ministry is always contextual. Ministry is always contextual. That is, our proclamation exists in a certain place and time, in the United States in 2020. And so if we're unwilling to think deeply about what it means that we are called to do ministry here and now, our witness will be compromised. Now we may find the place and time in which we exist exciting, or we may hate it and long for bygone eras. Some of us are technophiles and others of us technophobes. We either love technology or we hate it. We either fear technology or embrace its potential. Or I suppose most of us are probably some mixture of the two. Some of this is generational, but not entirely. In fact, many of the best text messengers I know are well into their 80s. And I'm usually considered a young person, but my level of tech savvy doesn't usually match that profile, if I'm honest with you. Personally, I'd rather spend an afternoon in an antique shop than a Best Buy. But whether we're young or old, we can neither unconditionally embrace technology or flat out reject it because it's simply too vast a field and it requires our deliberate attention. Ultimately, the manner in which we employ our technology 
is a matter of our faithfulness to God. Being a good steward of technology doesn't mean hopping on all of the latest fads and trends, whatever they may be. No, it requires deep reflection about the ways technology can help further our mission as a church. It also requires heeding the cautions about the ways technology can become an idol or a distraction that inhibits our proclamation. This past year has forced upon us the need to assess our technological capacities in order to function during this pandemic. And although I'm still fairly new to this church, I have to say that I am impressed with the ways our church has risen to this challenge. With tremendous effort from our staff and generous sharing of resources from the day school, we've adapted swiftly to ensure that our gospel proclamation can continue. Most obviously, as Brianna discussed in her children's message, we've gone from not live streaming at all to consistently offering online worship. Our cameras have improved and our camera work keeps getting better and better. Our volunteers deserve our gratitude for their great job in broadcasting our service. Thank you to all of you who have participated in that. It's true, as Mary said, that there's nothing like worshiping in person. But can you imagine not being able to participate in worship at all for the last six months, even from a distance? Even after the pandemic, our cameras will offer the opportunity for those who are out of town or hospitalized or homebound to participate in Sunday worship from where they are. And it will also enable those who visit our website to get a good sense of who we are, what our sanctuary looks like, what our music programs are like, what our liturgy is like, and so on. After all, very few visitors today will visit a church that they haven't first visited online. Furthermore, Zoom video conferencing has burst onto the national scene and become for us in this church a useful means of continuing to conduct our meetings from a safe distance. We've been able to continue the work of discernment of the questions before us as our church, and we've even been able to see our faces in grid mode on the screen. And now Sunday school classes are being offered through this platform as well, such that those who do not yet feel comfortable returning to campus can still participate and be included in Sunday school. And good stewardship always involves expanding the circle of those we're able to include. Other examples could be offered, but you may be beginning to glance at your iPhones. So the bottom line is this. Our expanded use of technology this year has not been just an irritating compromise forced upon us by the pandemic. It's actually been a matter of faithfully stewarding the means God has given us to proclaim the gospel message in this place and time. And it has made a very positive difference. Technological advancements will surely continue for years to come, and it may even accelerate all the more. And as our mission as a church continues as well, we must remain vigilant about the ways that we can make good use of technology in order to further our ministries. These decisions are as much under the umbrella of stewardship as the other areas of stewardship with which we might be more familiar. But it's not just the church as a whole that has to examine the integrity of the way in which we use technology. Each of us as individuals, too, engages in matters of stewardship every day when we make decisions about technology. 
There's plenty of literature out there about the dangers associated with technology in general, and especially the internet and social media, and I commend those to your discernment. But for now, and by way of conclusion, I just want to mention a few positive ways in which I've heard people using technology faithfully to grow in their faith and connect with others. Perhaps it will spark some ideas for you about how you might do the same. First, I heard recently about a person who has made a prayer practice out of their Facebook feed. Whenever they sign into Facebook, they pray for the first seven people that appear on their screen. And when applicable, they send them a text message to let that person know that they're praying for them that day. A lovely practice. I know another person who's taken advantage of the alerts that are available to us on our smartphones by setting three alerts over the course of his day to remind him to pray. He's a super busy person and doesn't have a ton of time to pray, but every time he gets an alert, he has time to take a deep breath, close his eyes, and say the Lord's Prayer. So by using the alerts available on our phones, even the busiest among us can anchor ourselves in prayer throughout the day. And finally, there are numbers of apps that offer daily Bible verses or quiet music for prayer or uh, other lectionary readings and devotionals. My favorite one is Shane Claiborne's Daily Prayer, which integrates the daily uh, lectionary scripture readings with readings and calls for social action from ancient saints to contemporary civic leaders. There's something out there for everyone if you just poke around a little bit. So friends, technology isn't going away, and so we must discern and always continue to discern, both together as a church and privately as individuals and families, how to make the most of technology for the sake of God's kingdom. Knowing that there are many ways that we might misuse technology, may we clearly determine how to make good use of it to widen the reach of our ministries and the gospel message. And may we embrace this process of contextualized ministry, as the Apostle Paul puts it, all for the sake of the gospel, so that we may share in its blessings. May it be so. Alleluia and thanks be to God. Amen.